When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Hale Varsity Radio Saturday Morning Show. Strap yourselves in. Here are your hosts, Chris Schmitz. Y'all don't even know he was a virgin until he's 28, and now, roll time. And Mark Cranach. Time has come for someone to put his foot down. And that foot is me. Welcome to it. Weekend editions here. It's Hale Varsity. We're presented by Currency for all your equipment financing needs. Go Currency. Big thanks to our dear friend Will Wilson for covering us yesterday. We had a bit of a getaway day on a bye weekend Friday. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. We were out on the, uh, the links. Uh, we should have stayed in the clubhouse the way we played. But you know what? It was a gorgeous Friday and we're back at it this morning. Our, our friend Mark Cranach on assignment this morning. And uh, he'll be back and ready to rock and roll for Illinois next Saturday. Numbers to get in this morning. If you want to participate, if you're up uh, and going this early, making a run to get a cup of coffee or uh, maybe a donut, numbers to dial up at 466 Five eight six five. Those are the numbers to get in. Can find us on StreamYard. We're streaming ESPN Lincoln Facebook Live, uh, Twitter on ESPN Lincoln, and the Hale Varsity uh, Twitter page as well at H Varsity Radio. I should just call it the Twitter handle. Forgive me, but Elijah, uh, the most important question for you as you have a day full of college football and and ultimate fighting tonight. Were you up and alive to get that that brisket put on the smoker this morning at 2 a.m.? It was closer to 3.30 when I, once I finally got out of bed and, and found the motivation to get the brisket on. But the brisket is on. It's uh, When I left home, it was sitting at about 145 degrees, and I, I passed off control to one of my roommates and said, don't F this up. So uh, we'll, we'll see how things go whenever I get back home. It's probably 20-ish degrees or so from, from being ready to pull off. So hopefully it's uh, it's wrapped up and, and lovely by the time I get home from this show, and, and we'll see. But, yes, it's it's going, and I'm, I'm looking forward to that brisket. It's, uh, it's, a, it's a labor of love. And so far there's been a, a lot of love on my end uh, for that brisket on a Saturday morning. So, so you've done uh, salt. Pepper and any garlic salt. What's the Just, what's the, the what was the rub, the uh, the dry rub for it? So I had some whole black peppercorns that I, I ground up in a food processor last night, and then I threw in some salt and some garlic powder in there as well, and that was the rub. So it's about equal parts salt and uh, and black pepper. And then just a, a touch of garlic salt to add a little something. And from trying it last night, the, the rub was freaking phenomenal. So I hope it translates well to the brisket. I've done a brisket with my dad before. I've never done a brisket solo, though, it's simply because over the past you know year or so, brisket prices have been crazy. So it uh, came down a little bit in price, and hopefully I don't mess up this $55 piece of meat because if I do, I'll be very disappointed, and my wallet will be hurting. <laughs> Listen, I'll, I'll say this. 
uh, it's 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 a brisket Saturday for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, it could be better, it could be worse, but the point is, is you're having brisket. And let's uh, let's make the analogy uh, from smoked meat goodness. It's been a popular theme on the radio show. So I think a lot of Nebraska fans, even if you're a vegetarian, would look at Nebraska football and still think it's it's a brisket, right? When we talk about choice and selection and what it is and how how uh, how it makes people feel when it you know when Nebraska's winning when that brisket's done perfect nothing better in the world right if you're a sports fan or dare I say a meat connoisseur uh, so it, it's going to take the right ingredients and we're back to hot and popular names this week when it comes to the coaching carousel and some candidates and you just wonder think how far back it feels let alone is uh when it comes to september 11th when when trev made the decision to move on from scott yesterday afternoon you had the official release of uh the uh the contract uh brady oltman's from hale varsity uh posted that up on his twitter of of just what what it said, what it was when it comes to, to Trev and uh, in writing what he had for Scott, what Scott needed to do to be made whole again and get another year on his contract and get that million back that was uh, that was taken away with his original deal, the restructuring. So there is that. And, and we fast forward to now. I'm fascinated to know just how big or how small the list is right now for Nebraska football uh, when it comes to Trev and his list. You've got a guy already on that list right now under consideration in Mickey Joseph, right? What's what's Mickey's fortune like here these next five? He's been recruiting his butt off. His staff's been out recruiting on that topic. It's a big day for Malachi Coleman. Tough ball game last night for Lincoln East against Gretna. Gretna is awesome. Flores is awesome. <laughs> Uh, but uh, Malachi makes his decision known today. We all think he's probably going to pick Nebraska, but time will tell at five o'clock there. And and on the bigger uh, front, it's also kind of another showcase day for some of these candidates. Trev's very real when he talks about not wanting to win the pro- win the press conference. Right? It's not about splash. It's about fit. It's about trying to find the, the 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 next really good head football coach in Nebraska, whether that's Mickey or somebody else, right? Maybe that's a national candidate that we've all spent the last five weeks talking about because it's been a new name or two each week that seems to emerge or will pick up steam. And, and meanwhile, Mickey's still in the thick of it here. But Elijah, I'm interested here when it comes to potential candidates here what what they want do they want a pay raise only do they want uh, the opportunity to to wake up a sleeping giant in nebraska do they want uh a the 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 glory of of being the the guy to bring it back or is it a place that's special to them because there's some sort of roundabout connection or just Listen, they're competitive. They want to go to a big boy league, one of the two power leagues in the Big Ten and the SEC, and they want to 
They want to win some football games. They want to have a chance to go compete for a championship. And that's a fascinating question because when we talk about names and candidates and other leagues, all right, you have to assume moving forward here that your multiple bid leagues are going to be the Big Ten and the SEC. When this playoff expands, who's going to get multiple teams in? Well, the SEC's already done it, right? They have an argument right now as it sits for three, and that's going to make everyone dry here in Big Ten country. Uh, you have Ohio State and Michigan. You have Clemson. Great, but as far as your, your multi-bid leagues, you have two of them. Is, is the Big 12 going to be a multi-bid league? Is the Pac-12 going to be a multi-bid league? Is the ACC going to be a multi-bid league, right? Um, how many years, if you're Wake Forest or North Carolina State, two names, right, that you hear a lot about when it comes to Clawson and Doran, how many years are you going to be able to take down Clemson, <laughs> right? If you're Narduzzi, you had a great season last year. You won the ACC as Pitt, but you still weren't a playoff team because you weren't undefeated. So that's that's a big consideration with some of these coaches. Yeah, it's a monster paycheck waiting for you, but there's also the uniqueness of being able to, to develop and recruit in the 500-mile radius and uh, jump to a league where there is a multiple bid league. And, you know, how deep is the, uh, is the deep end of the pool for the Big Ten? Are we talking two? Are we talking three when this playoff eventually expands? Uh, for the Big Ten. So I think that's the appealing part. Not only is it Nebraska and a chance to to work for Trev and, and compete and get paid, but it's a situation, too, where all right, I have a better shot. Will I have a better shot to get into a playoff out of Nebraska versus staying in an ACC or a Big 12? Well, simply put, whenever I kind of I mean, I agree with you, but but to, to simplify this and put it at its heart, I, I think Trev should be looking for a guy that wants to prove that he is one of the, the the elite coaches in college football is hungry to prove that because if you come to a, a conference like the Big Ten and you resurrect a school like Nebraska and bring them back to the forefront after years of people saying, well, it's Nebraska, it's not the 90s anymore, they're not in a recruiting hotbed, this isn't what it's used, uh, this isn't a place that is what it used to be. If you can do all those things and, and resurrect this school, and as I said, in a conference like the Big Ten, which is a very difficult conference, you're proving to the college football world that you're one of the best in the game. That's what you're doing. And that's what Trev should be looking for is a guy who is hungry to prove that because it's going to take more than just a guy who, oh, he's a high-level football coach and he's going to come collect his paycheck and do some coaching. It takes a different level of commitment at a place like Nebraska to get this place back. That's what the past couple of years have shown me is that it's going to take a guy, as Trev said, that doesn't have hobbies outside of coaching football, a guy that, that you know, the, the head coaching gig is his life. That's what it's going to take to get this place back. And that's what Trev's got to be looking for is that guy that is just hungry to prove he is one of the best in college football. And who is that guy? I still don't know at this point. There's so many names out there and we can play the name game uh, until the chickens come home. You know, it's it's you can do it all day long. But at the end of the day, that's just the simple criteria that Trev should be looking for in the next head football coach. Who is a guy that is hungry to prove himself? And that's what it's going to take at a place like Nebraska, at least in my opinion. Don't agree with you. Uh, and the other part of this, too, is from a, uh, a, a, a fit. And one of the names that's picked up steam this week, uh, not only Lane Kiffin, right, with uh, 
with with Lane kind of liking the attention and, and being really good on Twitter, right? Home is a feeling. It's not a place. <laughs> that tweet, right? That was pretty good. Lane's picked up some attention. And, and oh, yeah, by the way, they've got a, a, a big ball game here the next couple of weekends, right? To stay unbeaten. They're still in a playoff race. But, you know, you have, um, you have Coach Stoops over at Kentucky. And, and that name's been fascinating. We brought it up early in this process. We brought it up to Barry Switzer, who knows Stoops real well because he's well, Bob's brother, right? Coach Stoops at Kentucky. And there's a, a really a fascinating article. I think it was by Yahoo Sports. Maybe it was the Bleacher Report or the Athletic. And I know I'm naming every national outlet here. It wasn't an ESPN.com. But you had a little bit of a, a tisk that went on on social media. This goes back to August 13th. And it comes down to Coach Cal and Kentucky Basketball and their athletic director and coach Cal, you know, stumping for, for more facilities, more investment. I'm, I'm Kentucky basketball. I, I make the money around here. That type of bravado from Calipari, that tone, right. In, in an interview with the athletic and, you know, Stoops is like, look, bro, I've done really well here. Don't, don't demean my football program. And it was, it was Cal angling. And if you're Kentucky, the AD, I think, has brought the boys into the principal's office by now, and they've played nice and they'll stay nice on social media. But you wonder if, 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 if Coach Stoops, A, will get over that, being second fiddle, even though he may not be. I mean, and I know Cal's won championships, right, and he's put guys in the NBA – but Kentucky's been a damn good football team. They misstepped two weeks ago in South Carolina. They just beat the Pirate. They're in the thick of it. They'll have a shot against Tennessee, right? I mean, they're and Georgia, I mean, they'll have a chance on the field to say something about where they are in the SEC East. But if you're Coach Cal, or I should say Coach Stoops, you know, are you ever going to make more money than Cal? Is that important to you? Are you ever going to be appreciated for what you're doing? Eight and four at Kentucky, 10 and three at Kentucky, nine and three at Kentucky. And that league is super impressive. And, and, this- and it's really impressive. And you may be worshiped there. You may be comfortable there, right? You can have a down season and not worry about losing your job. But when, when push comes to shove, guys like Stoops are competitive and they want to be the guy. Right. They want to be the guy. They want to be appreciated like they're the guy. And there's just a couple of places that you won't be. You'll never be bigger than UCLA basketball at UCLA if you're the UCLA football coach. You'll never be bigger than Kansas basketball as the KU football coach. And you're never going to be bigger than Kentucky basketball as the Kentucky football coach. Those are three stops where. It just depends on the personality. Well, and, 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 and Stoops, and I'll shut up. Stoops is a guy that I think would kick a, kick just really do well, really do well in Lincoln. He gets the Big Ten. He's an Iowa guy, and uh, that's that's the latest thing. I know we've been through a hundred of them between him and O'Brien. Uh, they've been very, very proven. And this, I think, gets back to my point about 
is Mark Stoops a guy that, that wants to prove that he is one of the best in college football? That's what it comes down to me because job security is not an issue at Kentucky. They pay you well. Maybe not as well as, as Calipari, but you get paid well at Kentucky. I think his contract right now is for just under $6 million a year. Schmidin, and you can yeah, he's, that he's, he, I will look at it, but he's, yeah, he's making great money to go eight and four. Making great money. And, and a stat that I brought up. He's, with making you, like, he's making like Brom money to go. Eight and four. I mean, a stat I brought up with you yesterday on, on the golf course, and I'll bring it up here because I don't think I brought it up in the show before, is this season, Mark Stoops became the winningest football coach in Kentucky history when he got his, uh, I believe it was 61st or 62nd win over uh, over Florida. So in his 10 years, 61 wins. That's, you know, just over six wins a season. And he became the winningest coach in Kentucky history, overtaking Bear Bryant, who has, a, I mean, a lot of people don't even know that Bear Bryant was ever at Kentucky because he, he was there for a cup of coffee, but he went and got 61 wins and then moved on with his career. And, and that's where Kentucky football has been at for long for so long is that it's just, it's okay. Like, you know what? A, a coach that was barely there was their winningest coach because Kentucky was always a stop for other people. Mark Stoops has made it a place that you can stick and stay. He's been there for 10 seasons now and mm-hmm. you got good job security because you are the winningest coach in Kentucky history. And they know, you know what? We're lucky to have a guy like you. So if you go six and six, it's all right. And the fans think the same way. So the job security is not an issue. They pay you fine. The question is, do you want to prove yourself as one of the top in college football? If you want to do that, you're not ever going to do it at a place like Kentucky. You can't do it at a place like Kentucky because the expectations are so low. And because, as you said, you're never going to be bigger than Kentucky basketball. So if you want What's... to prove yourself as one of those people, you got to make a jump to a place. I'm not saying it has to be Nebraska, but a place like Nebraska. And that's what the question is with Mark Stoops is, does he want to prove himself in that way? If he does then, I mean, Nebraska becomes a very realistic opportunity because if you can go resurrect Nebraska, as I said before, in a conference like the Big Ten, you are proving yourself as one of the best in college football. If he wants to do that, he has to make a move. Does, does, the, the, does the job you have represent how good you are? And he's good enough to be at a blue blood. Mm-hmm. He's just at the wrong blue blood sport right he's not he's not he's good enough to be at a at a nebraska he's good enough to be at a florida state and an oklahoma i mean hell if i'm oklahoma i call him honestly i mean and his name was mentioned before venables got the job so no i mean stoops has stoops will have options and he's been really good our rewind coming up is with matt schick of espn in Sirius XM and Chicken Nick. He had a great sit down with Mickey Joseph. Uh, a few tweets coming in this morning. Steven asks about Pete Thamel reporting that Saban told his players he's done at the end of the season. Uh, our old buddy Sharpie that we'll talk to here in an hour. Uh, yeah, I, I retweeted that briefly last night and then I went, oops, it was a fake Pete Thamel account. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that was a hand grenade last night on a Friday. Uh, there's been no report of of Saban stepping down. Uh, at least that was a fake tweet last night. Uh, Husker Brent, thanks for listening, uh, says Kiffin's a good coach, but he'd spend more time on O Street. Uh, I doubt Trev's looking for a 2.0 version of somebody he may have just had. Fair point, Brent. I think that's the point I brought um, up on the show. That's that's his reputation down at Ole Miss. Is man, he wins football games, but he also likes to have a good time, especially outside football season. So. Mm-hmm. Something you have to take to consider there with Kiffin. Well, and, and listen, um, personality is important. You don't have to be best friends if you're Trev Alberts and the football coach. 
but there's got to be a mutual respect. Mm-hmm. And you got to have an understanding that, that Trev is boss and be good with that. And, and is, you know, Trev's going to have a vision and um, that vision's got to got to match with what this coach's vision is uh, is eventually. Well, uh, step away. Great to be with you this morning on Hale Varsity Weekend Edition. I'll rewind with Matt Schick on the way. Brandon Vogel next hour. Pardon the interruption, but I'd like to save you some money. I'm Brandon Vogel, Managing Editor of Hale Varsity, and I wanted to offer listeners of this podcast $10 off the price of an annual subscription. That means that you can get everything we produce, 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all of the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to HaleVarsity.com slash subscribe and enter the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hale Varsity. That's HaleVarsity.com slash subscribe, promo code GBR. Now back with Hale Varsity Radio with Chris Schmidt and Mark Cranach. Back with you, Tail Varsity Radio, presented by Currency. And, well, it's a bye week, so we're going to enjoy that bye again with <laughs> Matt Schick of ESPN, ESPN Radio, and Sirius XM. Of course, you catch him with Schick and Nick, the podcast with Heard at Media. Schick, what's good? Uh, how's the week been? Thanks for the time. Yeah, week's been good. It was a good weekend of college football. We're in Charlotte. We're in, uh, we've got temperatures in the 50s today, which is unheard of. I don't know how you guys deal with it. Frankly, Schmitty, I don't know how I ever dealt with it. Uh, <laughs> it like, it become, uh, in Omaha, become very, very soft. It dips below 50. I don't really leave the house, which is a great excuse for someone who likes to eat like myself. But, yeah, we're doing okay. Doing all right. Well, we're uh, dealing with a little bit of uh, 40s-ish the uh, order was given to shut the sprinklers down, so that happened yesterday. <laughs> and uh, we'll be back in the mid to upper 70s for the weekend, so going to swing the clubs uh, or, or lose a few golf balls. But want to start off, great sit-down with Mickey Joseph, first and foremost. If you haven't heard it, please catch it on the Schick and Nick Show, the podcast on Heard At. But um, you, you've done a ton of interviews and uh, you had a chance to sit down with uh, with Mickey Joseph, local interest ahead of the Purdue game. And Matt, want to just ask you uh, your uh, your impression of Mickey. We'll get to on field in a moment, but just what did you take away with uh, with spending a few minutes with him? Well, thanks. Yeah, it was um, it was a good twenty minutes. And uh, when I did the interview, I did not I did not know I was going to be on Zoom. I didn't know I'd see him. I didn't know he'd see me. And when he flashed up there, I mean, it was, all right, it's go time. And it was um, it was good. I like those types of interviews where you can make eye contact, you can establish some trust a little bit. And, and you know, it was an interesting interview in that, you know, you start off by just, just asking him a little bit more about his background. I want to know more about his coaching inspirations. Um, and then we started to get into more about his current situation. And I think – you know, I'll let you ask some follow-ups if you want, but I think just the more overarching feel I got from him was that he's he wants the job, he's ready for the job, he's not getting his hopes up that he will get the job, and I think in the back of his mind he probably understands he's got he's going to have to have a uh, he's going to have a decision to make at the end of this season. I think he even said I'm a realist. 
when I asked him about his candidacy. And that can be taken one of many ways. One is it's out of his control. The other is he understands they're probably not going to win out <laughs> to make it a very easy decision, and there might be a lot of gray there. There's, there's a lot of ways to read into that, but, man, is he an impressive guy, level-headed, um, not afraid to speak his mind, not afraid of not getting the job. Like, he's, he's kind of been there, done that. He'll cross any r- bridge when he comes to it, but certainly not before, and it was um, – it was an interesting dialogue. You said it, and and he is a realist. He's been uh, a guy that's worked his way up, and then got uh, the, the the gig at LSU after some lower level stops. And Schick, he's he's taken notes, mental notes, all along the way. I mean, he's at 54 55 years of age you'd hope there's a mature guy but he really really is and the thing that shows up on saturdays win or lose is is the leadership aspect and i think that's been our biggest takeaway locally here covering the team where the guys are are coached up they're ready and he's really no nonsense he, he cares about the kids but it's it's I'm your parent, not your friend. That's kind of the vibe I get from him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you you have to have a pulse as a leader, um, especially as a leader of young men. You can't just give them marching orders and then watch from afar and feel distant. You really got to be engaging. I mean, you know, people love that about Bo Pelini when he started out it was just the fire that he coached with for better or worse, and it certainly got him in trouble many times, both on and off the field. Um, but coming off of Scott Frost, I mean, Mickey Joseph looks like the most energetic guy that's ever walked the face of the earth. And, you know, it's not to disrespect and talk bad about a coach now that he's out the door, but I always felt Frost was just kind of this walking zombie who you, who players were kind of on their own emotionally. And whether it was different um, – you know, between the lines during practice, we will never know. But man, during a game, you got to be up in guys. You got to be, and I mean, up in their face. You got to, you got to. They got to see you. You know, there's a reason the head coach doesn't coach from the box. The coach is on the sideline. He needs to be there to be face to face with his men, his young men, guys. And I feel like Mickey gets that. And um, you know, I asked him why have. Why has this team responded to you in your coaching style? And he just said, look, we hold them accountable. You know, whether it's, he mentioned a few players, whether it's this guy who plays a lot or this guy who doesn't, who's a star, this guy who's not, you need to hold them accountable. And you need to hold our coaches accountable. And people see that, people notice that. And so, yeah, he's, he's had a lot of different coaching influences. He mentioned a handful of names. He mentioned Tom Osborne. He mentioned Ed Ogeron. Could you find two different head coaches than that? So he's he's kind of filled in the uh, the space between those two guys and become his own man. It's pretty cool. Do you get the feel that that he enjoys being a head coach? I mean, it's not a guarantee that a guy just because he's been a great positional coach, a great coordinator, is going to make that jump to to being a head coach and enjoy it. Some people are cut out for different things, but. From what I've seen on the sideline, it looks like he's having a good time. What I've, I've heard in the press conferences as well. Do you get that, that feel that he's been enjoying what he's had to do stepping up and filling this interim head coaching role? Well, it, it seems that way. I also think it's an interesting spot where he's got nothing to lose here. 
Like, he doesn't have the weight of the world on his shoulders of, you've got to turn this program around. He's, I don't want to say he's a short-timer, but when you know that you know, you're, you're kind of put in a tough spot here where the expectation is you are not going to be the head coach, whether he knows that or not, that just feels like the outside expectation. Now, he might feel differently. He might feel like he's got a great shot at this, and, but, but he doesn't show his cards. So I, I don't know how he would do as a head coach. I don't know. You never really know how someone would do when all eyes are on you and you've got to answer for the next five years, not just for the next five minutes. But it seems like he does. It seems like he wants it. He likes it. He enjoys it. And a, a guy that you know will be given every opportunity to prove himself down the stretch. Matt Schick with us from ESPN. Also the Schick and Nick show. Hail Varsity Radio. Find Matt on Twitter at ESPN underscore Schick. And with with Mickey, you know, to, to the, the question mark out there about, you know, does, does he want the gig? Yeah, he, he'd like the gig, but what's he best suited for? And, and I think that that energy you talked about really makes him uh, a high-level candidate uh, from a motivational standpoint. But the background in Nebraska... Matt, I think he he knows how to fix Nebraska. Do you agree with that? I think he knows. Um, there's a couple of different ways to answer that. I think he knows what it takes yes. to fix Nebraska. I think he knows what a good Nebraska looks like, and a lot like Scott Frost does. He's also been around, you know, recent championship caliber and national title programs in this culture of athlete that I think he can relate to really well. I mean, he talked about the fact that, you know, when he came to Nebraska, um, he didn't want to be there. Like when he first showed up in our conversation with him, I said, what was the toughest decision you ever had to make? And he said, well, probably forgiving my mom for making me go to Nebraska. He wanted to go to Oklahoma and play for Barry Switzer. But he understood that Barry Switzer was going to be his friend. And his mom didn't want a friend as a coach. His mom wanted a coach and a leader and a father figure, and that's what Tom Osborne became. And so I think he understands what a good coach is. What better influence is there than Tom Osborne? I mean, he told me he's meeting with Osborne every week. Every week he's meeting with him. He's got a standing up and talk to him. Um, you know, that's a guy who's always willing to learn, a guy who's to listen to one of the greatest head coaches of all time, and, you know, maybe model his coaching style or at least part of it after him. And he's a guy that, you know, you're going to recruit guys who might, when they get to Lincoln, have a little culture shock for many different reasons. And, you know, maybe Frost didn't understand that you have to re-recruit your roster every year. I mean, there was an exodus of guys from Florida that decided to leave. Would that have happened under Mickey Joseph? I don't know. I find it hard to believe that Mickey couldn't convince a few of these high-caliber guys to stay. He certainly convinced Trey Palmer and Nicholas Crawford to come with him. So, um, to me, I think there's a lot going into Mickey that, whether he's the head coach or not, man, you got to move heaven and earth to make sure he stays because he's impressive. as impressive as they come, and whether he's the head coach or not, can help you fix this program and, and can help fulfill its potential, whatever that is, in 2022. Matt, let's look at Nebraska and the task at hand, the drive for six. Getting to a bowl game after this season's start would be impressive. You have some teams on the docket that are going to grind you up and spit you out because of their lines of scrimmage. 
That said, they're not overwhelming uh, when you look at some of the offenses and injuries that are are present with Minnesota and, and Iowa, a couple of teams. Bielema comes in, in in a week. And then there's Wisconsin that's trying to find themselves. Michigan we won't get into because, well, that isn't going to be a nice afternoon. Cross that bridge when we get there. (laughs) It's not going to be a good thing. But, you know, what's your your outlook for Nebraska? Can they get to six? Can they find uh, three more wins? Or, man, are you thinking maybe one or two more? We had this conversation, I don't know, a month and a half ago or so. Uh, and uh, it, it really hasn't changed because, you know, Nebraska still has that opportunity in front of them and some playmakers to get it done. Yeah, I mean, the I think when we talked, we set the over-under Vegas-wise, FPI-wise for ESPN at about one and a half, yeah. and I said probably take the under, and then they beat Indiana, and then they go beat Rutgers. So who am I to say exactly what they can or can't do? Um, but... I'll, I'll say this. I think they will go on the field against some of these teams with comparable talent, if not a better situation in terms of health, in terms of cohesion. I mean, Iowa can't score. Mm. I was a 29-point underdog against Michigan. My guess would be if Nebraska played Michigan tomorrow, it would probably be around 25. Mm-hmm. So that might kind of gives you an indication of maybe what Vegas might think about Nebraska versus Iowa. You know, Iowa didn't. Uh, didn't there's, there's try, it's still trying to figure out their quarterback position and, and everything in between. I know they didn't make a quarterback available to the media today for the first time this year. Whatever that means going forward, uh, Tanner Morgan's status, who the heck knows? And Wisconsin with their own interim head coach and, and Graham Mertz isn't the greatest of all time. So, I think those are the three that you look at. I think Illinois. You know, if you're you're coming off the bye, there's an opportunity there. They just have one of the better defenses in the country, frankly, statistically, and one of the top ten head coaches in the country, in my judgment. So I think there's an opportunity there when you get to Black Friday. Maybe you're sitting at five wins. You know, I wouldn't rule that out. And then who the heck knows when you get there. Um, I would love for them to do it just so that the the decision becomes a little more challenging to make. Uh, I, I love to watch other people have to do have to make tough decisions who get paid a lot of money, and I love Trev. I'm glad I'm not in his shoes. Maybe in the back of his mind, he's kind of hoping it's obvious, um, but he's also said he's not going to uh, do anything that he, he's not going to do anything to win a press conference. He doesn't want to win the wedding; he wants to win the marriage, and so um, I, I don't know that the outcome of the rest of this season has any impact on that. But it sure would be fun to see them make a bowl game to have this team something to celebrate. And frankly, whether Mickey gets the job or not, to have him be rewarded for his efforts. In your mind, is Nebraska's issue on the lines of scrimmage misevaluation or just underdevelopment X number of years? Well, if you look at the recruiting rankings, uh, it doesn't seem to be, it, it can't be both <laughs> in my in my estimation, I mean, they're, they're, they've been on par with Wisconsin. They've been on par, if not better, than Iowa. And yet the line of scrimmage has just not been there. To me, you know, you would have to be so wrong in evaluation, you know, eight times out of ten to be as bad as they are in the line of scrimmage. Uh, to me, this is all about coaching. And to me, that's why there's there's got to be some sort of encouragement there that they can – 
they can fix this. You can't be one of the worst teams in the Power Five at Nebraska uh, on the lines of scrimmage simply because you missed on guys. That's just not possible. Uh, you're just bad at coaching. And, um, and to me, that's where this is. And uh, frankly, all the line of scrimmage has to do is be average. Just be something better than deplorable, and you'll have an opportunity to win some of these some of these football games. I don't I don't think they're that far off from winning eight or nine games, but man, if you can't win up front, you got no shot. And the fact is that Trev knows he whoever he brings in, you know, there's going to have to be an expert on the line of scrimmage and a guy who has a track record of having done that in the past because that's the only chance they have of getting this thing off the ground again. Matt Schick with us from ESPN, also the Schick and Nick Show, Hail Varsity Radio. Find Matt on Twitter at ESPN underscore Schick. And Matt, were you uh, wise enough to buy stock in Swisher Suites ahead of Tennessee and Bama? <laughs> yeah, that would have been uh, that would have been very smart. It would have been very smart indeed. I love the. Uh, I just love the reaction to it. Like if you if that were a Big Twelve game. You know, people would have said, does anyone play defense anymore? <laughs> but it's the SEC, and my God, was that the best game you've ever seen in the history of Western civilization? And not only that, Tennessee should be number one, even if they couldn't stop Alabama. Who cares, man? Like, that was awesome. It, right? So, it, it happens all the time. If, if Nebraska were to take down a number one team here in the next couple of years, do you think the goalposts are going into Salt Creek? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Take them, <laughs> take them up by some sort of... Some sort of creek, and they just lay there in the sludge. Um, yeah, I don't, like I was just—I I was watching the game with my wife, and, and then afterwards, she heard about it. You know, the next day, she's like, "I heard they dumped those goalposts in the river. Like, if you're going to take the goalposts, do something smart with it." I'm like, "You know what? You're right. Why are we dumping them into a river like lemmings? Where are the environmentalists shaking their fists at the ang- at the cloud?" The fact that we're dumping this stuff in there. And also, don't you want to keep a keepsake? Yes. Like, are you that confident that you're going to be doing this again? That you're like, hey, we're all right. You know, this might be the best it ever gets. Who the heck knows? But, yeah, that was that was a lot of fun. And it kind of gives you a uh, an indication. I said after the game and tweeted it out that it, the atmospheres that we saw on Saturday were just so good, whether it was Rice-Eccles Stadium or Neyland Stadium or even Ann Arbor. It's like... The next time a college administrator tells you we need more of these college football playoff games on neutral sites and bowl games, you have my uh, you have my permission to just go verbally smack them in the face because the college football, what makes it so great is what we saw on Saturday, and that's not in sterile environments in the corporate world. It's right on campus where all these games should be. What you do is you get a hacksaw or a chainsaw, you start chopping it up, and you go door-to-door and sell parts of a goalpost on O Street. I mean, you just make a little coin. And if, if there's a, a moment in time where the goalposts are threatened, Trev will put his helmet on because those things are expensive. He will fight every single no. one to make sure that no there's no, no fine. So, uh, fair to say, let's just give three spots in the playoff to the SEC, Matt? Yeah, well, I'd say four. four. Um, <laughs> I'd say, yeah, I'd... You know, I think it's Alabama, I think it's Georgia, I think it's Tennessee, and frankly, um, Ole Miss. You know, Ole Miss becomes a one-loss SEC team after they lose to Alabama. They win out. you got four one-loss teams, have Georgia beat Tennessee, 
And then uh, Georgia beat Bama, or Bama beat Georgia in the SEC championship game. You got the four best teams in the country right there in the SEC. I don't know why you'd go elsewhere. Uh, apologies to an undefeated Ohio State and an undefeated TCU. Frankly, an undefeated Clemson. Sorry. Um, you know, so bad, too bad, so sad. It's all SEC, baby. We will expedite uh, the the expansion now, <laughs> right? To uh, the, the Big Twelve, though. I, I know they're beating up on one another, but man, it's it's better than it's been in a long time. I know Baylor's at three and three, and Iowa State's lost four in a row. Texas is off the mat. Uh, KU's been a good story. Uh, TCU and K State are going to hook up this weekend. And, uh, you know, the Big 12, I don't know that they'll get much consideration unless TCU stays undefeated. But uh, it's, Matt, it's been way better than, than it has in a long time. And they're pretty strong. I mean, uh, with, I, with exceptions to West Virginia. And they just pulled off yeah. a big win. Yeah, I think if there's any um, anything you take from this season, it's that, you know, the future is good for the Big 12, even without your your tent poles of Texas and Oklahoma. Now you'd love to keep them. Uh, but frankly, the sooner they leave, the better, probably for everybody. Oklahoma is dreadful, and they're going to walk into the SEC, and they're going to have a grand old time uh, in that league when uh, they can't stop anybody. Um, and so, you know, when the Big 12 adds Houston and Cincinnati and BYU, I mean, it's going to be a fun league, and it is a fun league. And, and hopefully, when they have high-scoring games, they're not knocked for no defense. Um, but I think if I think a great story would be TCU. You know, they were left out of that first college football playoff, uh, despite having an electric season and that one loss that they had on the road to Baylor. Uh, imagine if they went out. Imagine if they make the playoff with Max Duggan from Council Bluffs, Iowa, mm-hmm. at quarterback. Like, there's your Midwest connection. Let's make it happen. I'd love to see it. Last thought, Matt Schick with us uh, with ESPN. Schick and Nick show with Herdat. Great interview with Mickey Joseph. Catch their podcast and that interview. Give me a grade on Nebraska here. Midterm report card. Oh, I'd love to cop out and say incomplete. Um, but I think anytime you fire your coach, it's hard to be better than D. So I'll say D+. Plus. Uh, maybe C minus if we're generous and, the, and it's on a Friday and you're catching the teacher on a good day. Um, but I would say I, I would say D plus. I mean, um, the lines of scrimmage are a train wreck. They can't stop anybody. And uh, I think the plus comes with Trey Palmer um, and Mickey Joseph and the hope that you have that things are going to get better if you have the right person in there. But I'd probably say a D plus here in the in the midterm. Now, frankly. Uh, we're grading on a curve here, and uh, I would say they were probably at D minus two or three weeks ago. We do our power rankings on Sirius XM, and the and Nebraska was like 14th in our Big Ten power rankings about four weeks ago. They're moving all the way up to like number 10 right now. So I think people are seeing signs of life. That D plus, you know, if that's in pencil or you get the right penmanship, you can easily turn that D into a C uh, pretty quickly here with maybe one more win. I mean, it'll go up in the buy as other people lose as well. Yes, uh, you gotta you gotta do a little uh, manicuring of of the the letters uh, when you put it on the fridge. Matt, best to you, and and thanks for a few minutes today as always, man. Always good. Anytime, guys. Thank you. Each year, approximately 5,000 children are diagnosed with brain cancer. Of those children, nearly 30% will not survive, and many of those that do are left with debilitating side effects for life. 
We're asking you to help by tuning in to the 10th Annual Team Jack Foundation Radiothon presented by the Home Agency on September 29th. Become a champion for a cure for just $20 a month. Visit teamjackfoundation.org to learn more. Thank you for helping us fight for a cure. The Hale Varsity Radio Saturday Morning Show. Strap yourselves in. Here are your hosts, Chris Schmidt. Y'all don't even know he was a virgin until he's 28 and now roll tide. And Mark Cranach. Time has come for someone to put his foot down. And that foot is me. Welcome to it. It's hour two. It's the weekend edition. Hail Varsity Radio. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. Brandon Vogel in with us to kick off hour two. Mark Cranach on assignment this morning. And it's a bye week Saturday. Plenty of juicy college football games. More names in the coaching carousel. The uh, German Shepherd is fed, thankfully. Uh, I don't know that she'll be making an appearance. Uh, but uh, we'll dive into it here to get hour two kicked off. Brandon Vogel with us. Vogels, how's, uh, how's the weekend? And What's the the excitement meter for you today? With uh, you, there's no Nebraska football, but man, there's some intriguing matchups in in the Big Twelve. It, it, it might be a Survivor Island for this. I don't know if it's a long uh, list for Santa with Nebraska coaching search names, or if that list is shortened, or if it gets shorter by uh, by the weekend. Yeah, um, the Big 12 kind of leads the way again. And I think that's just by nature of there's a there's a handful of good teams there. There may not be the, the kind of clear leader, uh, although I think we might go a, a way to figuring that out. Well, that depends on how you feel about TCU, I suppose. But uh, for me, I think the two best teams might be playing today in Oklahoma State and Texas. So looking forward to that one. I think that's the afternoon slot for that game. K State TCU is is a night game. That one will be that one will be interesting, though maybe too much purple for for my personal taste. But I'll, I'll make do. Vogel, hey. what's your uh, what's your take on Kansas? We're, we're a couple weeks removed from from Kansas mania. They're down a quarterback. I mean, just just what's the status? I know Leipold's still a hot name around Nebraska, but but what's your take on what this Kansas football team is now that we're a little bit removed from the mania? Yeah, they're really, really good on offense, even with, you know, the the backup QB. They've been able to move the ball and, and score some points defensively. They were always, you know, they had that that strange game against Iowa State, which was a, a defensive slugfest. But other than that, you know, this is a team that probably wants to be in the 40s uh, scoring wise and has to win that way. Um, you know, I looked at it uh, Monday column focused on the coaching carousel like. KU, I think, models to maybe one more win over its remaining. I don't know if it has six games left or five games left. Like, so racing out to five and oh, so they have five games left. They're five and two. Racing out to five and oh was great and fun and everything, but uh, reality might be hitting a little bit later as as we get deeper into the season for the Jayhawks. And and that's fine if you're somebody who's interested in Leipold as a potential coaching candidate. And I, I, I see a lot to like with him. Um, I think it helps Nebraska's chances if Kansas, you know, basically goes 500-ish the rest of the way. Brandon Vogel with us. Vogues, Trev has said he doesn't want to win the press conference, which totally get. Fit is fit. That said, can you go hire a guy that 
maybe has a down season. It might be more gettable. Let's just play the game here for Leipold, like you just touched on. Say you, you jump out 5-0, and oh and maybe you finish 7-5. and five. Maybe you finish 6-6. Six and six. It's still incredible considering where Kansas has been, right? And it's not like you, you haven't had some big wins or impressive wins. You just had too much of – I mean, the, the schedule is – well, it's Big Ten-esque, right? It's SEC-esque right now because everyone's been really pretty good and they've had their moment in the sun in the Big 12. They just beat up on one another. Um, the Big Ten gets credit for that, doing that to its own. So does the STC. I think this year, let's start a, a movement for an exception year for the uh, for the Big 12 because there are a, a lot of really good teams. Okie State shouldn't be penalized, Um for, for last weekend, they had that thing, and then they they couldn't hold it, and it went to overtime. Uh, TCU, I mean, they're they're set up to to fail, bless their heart, because it doesn't get any easy after today. In K State started this whole thing with dismantling Oklahoma. So back to the original thought. Um, okay, you're not going to win the press conference, but can you go hire a, a guy that went five and seven, six and six, or four and eight at Iowa State, Kansas? You know, it seems like folks have jumped off the Aranda train because Baylor's three and three. <laughs> yeah, um, which he, I, I I really don't think that that's going to be a hindrance if if that's the direction that Alberts wants to go. I think he knows this is about um, a body of work to this point and waiting whatever happens over these next five weeks, five, six weeks of college football probably isn't the smartest way to go about it. And, you know, Matt Campbell at at Iowa State is sort of the inverse of Kansas. Got maybe the league's best defense, uh, really struggling to score. And I think the Cyclones per FPI have the exact same win total as uh, projected as Kansas at the end of the year, which is basically six and six, five and seven somewhere in that range uh is is that still a sellable hire and i and i don't think you know trump said it from day one about not winning the press conference i'm not sure he's all that worried about what can you sell and i don't think you know by the time we get to the end of the year whenever nebraska makes its decision and announces that i don't think you'll get a ton of resistance from the fan base because there's a little bit of, of recency bias here like if you if you did that post Riley, if you hired a coach coming in on a six and six season, it's a problem. But because <laughs> the last example was, well, you hired the undefeated coach, uh, the the one who had everything going for you, and that didn't work out. It kind of hammers home that th- there are no cer- certainties, no sure things when it comes to making a coaching hire. Brandon Vogel with us here on a weekend edition of Hale Varsity Radio. And Brandon, while we're talking about it, you mentioned it, Schmitty mentioned it, Trev says he doesn't care about winning the press conference. What's a name in your mind that's out there right now that, at least in your opinion, would be losing the press conference if they were to be hired? Good question. I don't know if there is is one that I can think of off the top of my head because, you know, I think some of that's due to the length of the search, like when Nebraska made the change that it did, um, you know, it, it would have to be somebody that we're not even really, really thinking or talking about for this job. Like if it just came out of left field, sort of like the Mike, Mike Riley hire did though, that one, you know, 
once you got over the initial initial surprise of really like you could see kind of the, the thought process the theory behind it and it didn't end up working out but um so yeah it would have to be somebody like that that i think just is totally off the radar at this point and off the radar in a way where you're like well this search committee slash trev alberts are maybe the only ones who see uh something the rest of us aren't seeing i think that's kind of the only path and i have a hard time coming up with a name off the top of my head i apologize vogues who's your let's who's the most 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 off the radar for you like who's who's a guy that you love and you think eh, you've let it play out in your mind right you've Vogues has his list in his top drawer, right? right? Your desk, I assume, is either in front of us. We can't see it on screen right now as we're streaming on Hale Varsity Radio and ESPN Lincoln's Twitter feeds. I'm sure you've got your 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 list in your drawer, right? Um, but who's who's like just the most off the wall or anonymous name out there that you think, man, I've watched this team for a long time and and I could see it fit because, you know, I'm sure Trevor will call you about 9.15 this morning and get your take. <laughs> uh, yeah, um, I, I actually did last November uh, type up a document and titled it Top Door List because I was like, well, if we didn't, <laughs> we're going to have to consider coaching changes from here till like we know that we don't anymore. And we, we didn't end up at that spot. We know that we did uh, <laughs> on September 11th officially. Um at the top, and so this was before any of this 2022 season. And at the top of that list for me was Kalen DeBoer. Um, and he would still be there. I don't know if he, he's definitely not anonymous. And, and Washington, you know, has, has faded a little bit from its blistering start. But he's somebody I've liked for a long time. I really liked what he did at Fresno State. Um, and, you know, knowing Nebraska could possibly be in the coaching market sooner rather than later. It was a little bit of a blow to see him take that Washington job, which I think is the major reason, you know, it's it's year one for him at a power five program. Like, are you going to jump? Are you going to pull a Willie Taggart, uh, Oregon, the Florida State deal? And it seems pretty unlikely. The other one, and, you know, this is just purely like hypothetical, but off the wall, one that is like played out in my head a little bit is what if Pat Fitzgerald, um, which might seem might seem crazy, but, you know, Northwestern's had a little bit of a – it hasn't had the classic bounce that it's had in the past where, you know, one bad year, one great year. Uh, and it lost a long-time defensive coordinator two seasons ago. I don't think Northwestern and schools like it, Vanderbilt, Stanford. Um, I don't know what impact the transfer portal has on those. I don't think it makes things easier for them. And – I know Alberts has a ton of respect for Fitzgerald, just listening to him talk ahead of the two Northwestern games, Northwestern Nebraska games he's been part of. So um, that's one where definitely not reporting that Nebraska has interest in Pat Fitzgerald. I'm just saying it's one that's, that's kind of unspooled in my head in a what if, what if fashion. Brandon, do you subscribe to the, uh, the the conspiracy theory that that's out there that Trev Alberts has had a master plan all along and that that master plan uh, at least in his mind, was to, to reunite Dave Aranda with Mickey Joseph and, and Bill Bush. Do you subscribe to that, that? That conspiracy theory could be a possibility. 
Um, I would be I would be surprised if that were the the case. So no, I do not subscribe. Um, it's interesting. Like you can make the connections there, and uh, you know, basically you reunite some of the the LSU brain trust in Lincoln, I guess. But seems like it seems like a very complicated plan to execute. Um, now, <laughs> if that was the plan, it seems to be to be working to this point. I mean, they have Bill Bush and Mickey Joseph. Uh, you just got to go land Aranda now, I guess. So maybe if that happens, then uh, no, I, even then I won't. I won't believe it. I'll need Trev to tell me. He's like, yeah, this was this was a two year, a two year covert operation that we undertook, and uh, here we are, Dave Aranda. I, I swear, with this coaching search, sometimes it feels like we need to like get the bulletin board out and get the red string and try to try to connect the dots. That, that's the point in this coaching search. We're at right now yeah it, 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 it's it's pretty fun i mean like credit to nebraska this is why you use the search firm this is why you keep the circle pretty small like there hasn't been a ton leaking out about potential candidates and i'm not surprised by that um but for guys like us just sitting around you're like oh what do you think of this guy or what do you think of this team uh it makes for a pretty fun conversation i do enjoy coaching search season Brandon Vogel with us, managing editor at tailvarsity.com and magazine, and at Brandon L. Vogel on Twitter. Now, it, it's, it is fascinating, and there's, there's an element of the, the fan base that's exhausted by it. There's an element that's energized by it, and I'm fascinated as well. And, yeah, it's, it's straight up the, uh, the old Rico uh, case that's being built, Elijah, way to paint that picture on the bulletin board where – you got a list, right, <laughs> of, of the of the families, right, and who are you targeting? And if you're going to get the the LSU folks all back together, we got to get the Cookie Monster. I mean, someone's got to find a spot for Easy Ed down in down in the rail yard, Coach O. Just give him a <laughs> megaphone. <laughs> yeah, go Tigers. <laughs> yeah, since we're taking a mafia a mafia approach here, instead of five families, what are the what are the five coaching trees you'd like to pick from? Obviously, Saban, Dabo like doesn't have much of a coaching tree. Um, otherwise, he'd obviously be in there. I think the Urban Meyer coaching tree is pretty much. Uh, needs to be needs to be removed um so yeah it's bill, interesting, i think it's the bill snyder right it's got to be the bill snyder coaching that's 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 that's, yeah. that's it i mean that that is that is it which leads us to the dreaded stoops discussion point from kentucky because that's we traded lane for 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 stoopsy here towards the end of the week <laughs> and i'm fascinated by it and i i went to well, we were listening back to Schick on our rewind earlier, went through and did some research, and he started two and ten at Kentucky. He inherited two and ten, and then went five and seven twice, and then built up to seven and five, and then had his breakthrough, I think, in year I think year four. He went nine and three. Okay. Went nine and three in year four, won the SEC twenty eighteen coach of the year. Uh, followed up with maybe a seven and five, then COVID hit and they were four and five and then another nine and three. So he's either nine and three or seven and five. And I'm fascinated to see how Stoops finishes this year because the SEC East is better than it's been in a long, long time. Georgia has been great for five years, but now you have Tennessee, right? And and then there's Kentucky. Where do they finish in that that? triumvirate on top of 
the West being the West. So Stoops, I think he could do it. I think it's very real that there's some annoyance with, well, you're at a basketball school. I think it's very real that Coach Cal's probably kind of a punk to work with <laughs> at, at, at Kentucky. And I think there's probably some frayed uh, feelings with with who the AD is gonna gonna hug first, right? Who you picking, me or him? Yeah. Well, you'll never make more than Cal. Now's the time to jump. That is if Oklahoma ain't on the line. Well, yeah. Um, I mean, Kentucky's a really a really interesting team. I think I think they play Tennessee next week. Yes, which will be do. which will be which will be interesting. Tennessee plays UT Martin, so that's basically, you know, just a foregone conclusion. Um, they'll get Hinden hook at hooker out of there for the the second half, presumably. Um, and then you got a, you got a game against Kentucky. And I think the thing that's interesting to me about Stoops is not just that he's doing this at Kentucky, but how, and, you know, you talk about nine wins and playing in the sec at Kentucky, like Kentucky's not favored in nine games a year. Like you're, you're, you're overachieving <laughs> there and it's how they play. You know, it's, it's physical. Um, this year's team is is an interesting one. Like lost, well, they lost a Wandale Robinson and some other offensive playmakers. Will Levis at quarterback's been really, really good for them, but they're a little bit, maybe more than a little bit flawed this year. And they're still hanging around, and they're in games, and you know, should have one more win than they did. Uh, really outplayed Ole Miss and, and would have knocked the Rebels from the ranks of the unbeaten, if not for a pair of fumbles. So it's just a team that they kind of play a Big Ten style in the SEC, and that's that's pretty impressive. Is it portable? Um, I think so. Like, you know, Kentucky's done really well in Ohio as an SEC team, given its proximity and given some of its connections with a guy like Vince Morrow. Um and those things, you know, you look at it at a place like Nebraska, um, probably could come with. Like you could, you could use those connections and the history you've built up there. And the one thing that gives me pause is, you know, because it's the SEC, uh, Stoops already makes six point three million, uh, in that he's scheduled to make over seven, I think, by twenty twenty seven. Uh, so it's, it's going up. Like we know Nebraska could, could handle it. It would just be, are, are they ready to come in and be like, here's our, here's our new coach, Mark Stoops. And he's getting $7 million a year. You're going to have to pay. I mean, the, the Mel Tucker number, right. You're paying nine and a half million dollars to get a guy that's going to win you seven games. That that's yeah. the rate. And that's the return. That's what it's turned into. And here's the other question. Yeah. Coach. <laughs> Go ahead, yeah, go ahead, and I mean, that, the Mel Tucker one might be a little bit the high end of it. Like, they, basically, LSU came in and tried to tried to grab Tucker, and Michigan State did what it needed to do to, to ward that off. And, you know, I was always looking at Michigan State's season last year, not to take anything away from it. It's just like, eh, this is 11-2, and two, but it doesn't look like 11-2. and two, And I, I kind of expected Michigan State to take a, a step, step back this year. They have. Um, I've been a little bit surprised at how big it is, but you know, you get, it's the way college football goes. And because the money is so crazy, like if you happen to be in the middle of a kind of once in a, once in a cycle season and you're, you're 
star is rising, well, you stand to make a lot of money, uh, whether or not it's it's merited or not. Bogues, does you know, Elijah and I were talking about this? Yeah, the Big Ten and the SEC; those are your two leagues that are that are going to have multiple playoff teams when this thing expands. We are fearing a three-team SEC CFP this year, all right? The doomsday scenario of Tennessee, Georgia, Bama, that triangle. What do you believe? Is it is it easier or is it more likely for a Stoops, a Kiffin, those two names to make – a playoff at their current school, get into the playoff where they're at versus coming to Nebraska and then flip it around. If you're in the Pac 12, yeah. if you're in, uh, in the big 12, or even if you're fits at Northwestern, where, where do you have the best chance to get to a playoff? Is it Nebraska or where you're currently yeah, good question. Um, I've thought about it from kind of the outside power to to compared to so uh, someone like DeBoer, theoretically coming from a Washington, you know, potentially to a Nebraska where in a 12 team setup, we, you know, I'm going to assume that the Big Ten probably, you know, you fast forward this thing 10 years into the 12 team playoff era. I'm going to guess the Big Ten averages like 2.3 teams a year in and i'm guessing the sec might be 2.5 so um it might be a little bit easier path if you think you know without usc ucla you can just run the pac-12 for example but you're probably you've got to win that last game you got to win that conference championship game because it's probably going to be close to one spot on average based on what we think now um do you want to play for 2.3 spots available in the big 10 or, and I guess come the other way. And, you know, these are just numbers off the top of my head, but can Kentucky be that 0.5 team more often than it can be in the 2.3 in, in Nebraska? Sorry. I don't know why I made this so numbers heavy. That was a bad idea. on my part. You're good, you're good, you're good. <laughs> but I mean, that's really how I think of it. So, um, yeah, I, I, I don't think there's a big enough difference between going from the SEC to the Big Ten. I do think the difference is big enough going the other way, though. So looking at a team coming from the Big 12, Pac-12, maybe the ACC. Brandon, before we get you out of here, I, I want to get your take on my million-dollar business idea, and I think you'll know where I'm going with this. It's a, uh, a computer AI that tracks when college football coaches gets fired, and it, it puts down that city's airport into the system – and it tracks all flights coming in and out that are headed to other college hubs, such as, say, Oxford, Mississippi, or uh, College Station, Texas, or our, our name is City. It, it tracks those, and, and it releases that on, on social media and lets everybody know, hey, there, there's a flight from this coaching hub in, into Lincoln because they, they fired the coach. What, what do you think of my million-dollar business idea? I, I like it. I like the convenience of it. You know, it's an app. So you're like, okay, I'm a Nebraska fan. My, my team is in the market. You download the app and you just get push notifications of like, hey, there's an outbound flight to Oxford, Mississippi. You're like, 
That's interesting. The problem is, is like, so I think you're, the idea is strong. You mm -hmm. got to build this thing, Elijah. You got to get it up. You got to get a ton of users right mm -hmm. away. And then you got to sell it because the strength of your product is going to make, it's just going to make Trev Alberts like drive places instead of fly. So you got to get likes, in and then get out. Trev likes to drive. He likes to drive, man. Getting that SUV, get, get, get in that SUV and listen to a little uh, Hill Varsity or I-80 preview. <laughs> well, then, the old yeah. pod center. We, we offer a, a paid subscription on the app then that tracks Ubers. There we go. Wow. There we go. This is all sorts of creepy. Thank you, Elijah, <laughs> for the invasion of privacy. Hey, hey invasion of privacy is how how big uh, big tech gets money nowadays. So, no, I get it. Well, uh, let's, Jonathan, let's not get Jonathan, Jonathan chimes in here. I always think about how many times Bush and Aranda have worked together: Utah State, Wisconsin, LSU. But I just don't see Dave coming here. So. Oh God! We're no, that's the red that's very the true. There's, already. Oh, no. <laughs> that, that's very true with um, the crossover. Vogue's uh, volleyball, Nebraska. Real quick, they are just incredible. We talked with Jacob yesterday a little bit about it, and um, I know there's there's some a strong finish looming. But man, Cook has this team locked in. Yeah, uh, kind of just cruising in the Big Ten so far, which which doesn't doesn't happen all that often. It's it's not an easy conference to to cruise in. You know, they got an interesting road trip this weekend at Illinois. Um, I, I do expect Nebraska to kind of handle a, handle its business there, but then you got the big one next Wednesday um, against Wisconsin, and you're going to finish out with with two matches against Wisconsin here before they're done. Have Minnesota, so it'll it, it'll get interesting here. But so far, Nebraska's kind of minus. You had that one Stanford match where it didn't play all that well at home, which was surprising. But since then, you went on the road, you beat Kentucky, you you beat a good Creighton team, you know, despite faltering a little bit mid match. So they've kind of won with a bunch of you know, well, not a bunch, but they've been tested in, in all the ways you expect a team to be tested at least once, I think. And then, you know, they kind of roll over the teams that they're supposed to roll over. So in a football context, it's, it's a little bit Georgia like, you know, it's, it's the excellence you expect to see from a program like Nebraska volleyball. Folks, enjoy your weekend. Give junior uh, a fist pound and uh, throw something on the grill. All right. Sounds good guys. Thanks. There he is. I uh, appreciate him. Brandon Vogel, uh, author with John Cook, Dream Like a Champion, and managing editor at HaleVarsity.com and Magazine. Get the newest issue of Hale Varsity Magazine, the uh, the What If edition, the second edition of the What If. Uh, when it comes to Nebraska football moments in, in Nebraska athletics history, what if uh, the old butterfly effect, right, with 82 Penn State as an example and many other moments a quick time out we will spend time with the iron horse it's gary sharp on the way it's a varsity weekend and we're presented by currency 
Like what you hear? High quality radio and podcast is part of what we do at Hale Varsity. Hey, it's Chris Schmidt with Hale Varsity Radio, and I wanted to offer listeners of the Hale Varsity Radio Show podcast $10 off the price of an annual subscription. That means that you can get everything we do. 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to HaleVarsity.com backslash subscribe and enter in the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hale Varsity. That's HaleVarsity.com backslash subscribe, promo code GBR. Glad to have you back. Yes, sir. You heard me right. Here are the guys, Schmidt and Cranach. Well, Hector, here's the game plan. Gonna bring us two absolute martinis. You know how I like them straight up. And then precisely seven and one half minutes after that, you're gonna bring us two more. Then two more after that every five minutes until one of us passes out. Excellent strategy, sir. Thanks for spending time. Weekend edition, Hail Varsity, as we're presented by Currency for all your Equipment financing needs go currency. We're getting to him a little bit later, uh, but we appreciate his time. The Iron Horse, Gary Sharp with us. Sharpie, how's the week been, bud? A couple of Dynamite High School football games for you this week and playoff seasons just around the corner. How you doing? Yeah, you know what? As we're uh, speaking, they're unveiling the uh, brackets, but, uh, you know, it was a good bye week. I, I think it was uh, one of those bye weeks that, all of us that are in what, what the three of us do are like, gosh, I'd rather talk about games than all this coaching speculation. But you know what? I'm, I'm happy, first of all, congratulations to everybody in the Hale Varsity Nation listening audience that is getting married today uh, or will be one of the thousands of people that will be at the pumpkin patches. Good luck to all of you because earlier this week uh, I woke up and it was like 16 degrees. Uh, it's going to be like mid-80s for the next two days. What is going on? It's it's awesome. Elijah and I made the executive decision yesterday to do a half day, the alleged best of Hale Varsity Radio. Uh, <laughs> so we were on the golf course, uh, and uh, we should have been doing a show. That's how golf went. <laughs> but it was it was it was perfect and and beautiful. But to the uh, to the to the coaching carousel. Just fascinated by the the momentum some names can pick up, and doesn't matter where they're generated from, maybe flight tracker or or whoever. But a couple of names I want your take on Sharpie uh, because they're they're not necessarily new names, but maybe they have uh, they have moved up the the coaching big board. Um, and one uh, Stoops, Kentucky, and then also Doran at NC State. And it's fascinating. I did a little research on Doran. He's a Kansas City guy. So th- there, there is that Midwest tie. Both both guys that have done a great job, both guys that you wonder if, is there any way they can do more because of where they're at? Well, you know, and they both have Midwest connections, not only at Doran, but, uh, of course, Mark Stoops in his time at Iowa. Uh, you know, they're, they're two names. Um, I've heard more Mark Stoops than uh, Dave Doran. Um, you know, I, I think Mark Stoops is uh, a viable candidate, and I think his candidacy is absolutely uh, real for this job. Um, you know, it's kind of this is the thing I, I appreciate about Trev, and I'm not surprised, is that this is super tight lipped. Now that's that's ticking off some people because they want information, they want something to happen. Uh, it's still early; you don't have to hire a coach tomorrow. Um, but there's not a lot of there's no leakage, and there's really. 
in a tight circle, I don't expect it to happen. I, I expect when a coach is going to be named, whether it be internally or externally, that uh, there won't be a lot of like lead time where, oh my gosh, it's breaking news, and three days later it becomes official. Um, but there's, you know, it kind of it runs, it does run the cycle of who is the hot name. Uh, you know, every everybody kind of jumps on the lane train because that's a sexy, wow, uh, star-studded hire. Um, but I think when you go inside and you listen closely to the little nuggets that Trev has dropped along the way, then you can start to connect the dots on the kind of coaches that he is looking for. And the two that you mentioned, Stoops and Doran, along with a couple of others, like an Aranda and a Leipold, are guys that fit that bill. Isn't it interesting how, how you know, we've had such a long time in this coaching church, what, about six <laughs> weeks now, is how guys fall in and out of favor. KU and Baylor are playing today. Remember, that was going to be like the game of the next head coach. Um, it's just, we've all ridden this way, but I, I, I think we're, we're getting closer to, all right, you may see some contract extensions that happen for coaches, and then you can go, oh, that might have been somebody Nebraska was courting. But what I know, the process is going exactly like Nebraska wanted it to go. Gary Sharp is with us here on the weekend edition of Hale Varsity Radio. And Gary, let's go a little bit conspiracy theory here. I asked Brandon uh, to get his take on a conspiracy theory. And I'm going to go another conspiracy theory that the Twitter quote-unquote Nebraska insiders this week would lead you to believe that Trev already has a guy. It's not... Uh, in print just yet. The contracts haven't been signed, but they lead you to believe that, that Trev already has a guy lined up and it's just set to be announced a- after the season ends. Do you subscribe to that conspiracy theory? I do not. Uh, I mean, I, 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 I would hope in his role he has in his mind, because every athletic director does, they have that sheet of paper in their desk drawer of the top three names, because what if their coach gets hit by a bus uh, coming to work uh, that day? they got to go hire a football coach. So, I think he has somebody in mind. Here, here's what I, I advise people to do. Anybody that's doing that, they want a little bit of attention. They are very, very vague. If they want to come through with some legit information, that's great. But right now, there's no legit information out there. Everybody's just throwing out names, and some names have more run than others. So, again, be very, very cautious um, on, on things that are put out there. But it, Trev, Trev, when this process started, guys, when Trev took this job and he got into Nebraska football thinking, okay, someday I might have to replace my football coach, I think he's already in his mind had a couple of candidates that fit who he wants, and he's probably vetted them and probably vetted them a little bit more. But in terms of discussions, all of that stuff is agent-wise right now. Lane Kiffin doesn't fly in the middle of the week for when he's getting ready for Ole Miss LSU to come to Nebraska to interview. People don't fly to Lincoln to interview for this job. They meet in Atlanta, they meet in Chicago, they meet in remote places like in Denver, they meet in San Francisco. So you can you'll follow a couple of things. There's nuggets that are being dropped along the way. Just follow those. But right now, you could say a name and somebody would go, yeah, that sounds like a good person. Sharpie, what was your uh, take on uh, Metrics Mania this week? Uh, you know, it, it's one of those things that I think – Trev, and, and remember, Scott wanted this stuff in writing. Trev was like, hey, let's just agree to it. You know, I, I'm good with you. I, I think at the, at the end of the day, Trev wanted this to work. Did he think this was going to work? Not really. But for the sake of Nebraska football and where they're at right now, he wanted this to work. And he wanted to give Scott every chance to make this work. Now, the metrics that were released 
had nothing to do with his employment status. It just had to do with adding the extra year. But I, I do know Trev, Trev wanted Scott to work. He wanted this to finally start to pop or at least get its feet on the ground. And he clearly knew uh, Georgia Southern and leading up to Georgia Southern that this wasn't going to happen. So, I mean, they're out there. I, I wasn't, you know, nothing caught me and went, oh, my. It, it, is, it is important, though, to remember because a lot of people said, okay, why would USA Today be interested? You know, why, why didn't the Lincoln Journal Star and the World Herald sue? Well, they did, but their cases were a little bit more vague. That's the, that, what, what happened was important for the public records request. Did it matter around the country about a Nebraska football coach? Probably not. But remember, the USA Todays of the world are the same ones that went through with a Freedom of Information Act at places like Penn State, Michigan State, Michigan, Ohio State, when we're dealing with sexual assault. So that's how it's supposed to work. It worked. Um, you know, we all looked at it. We went, okay, we're waiting for the next head coach. Not a big deal. That guy's no longer here. Gary Sharp with us here on a weekend edition of Hail Varsity Radio. And, and Gary, if you don't mind, we got about six minutes left here before we got to get you out. Can we go to some some prep action? And Schmitty, if, if you got more on the coaching search, feel free to jump in here. But no, no, that no, that's that's no. I mean, I just the the no the playoff action is where I was going next. Well, I, I want to start off here though with with a big decision upcoming tonight for Lincoln East Malachi Coleman. Uh, East fell last night to Gretna. Uh, but still a, a big decision looms nonetheless for Malachi Coleman. And, and Gary, I want to get your read on, on that. Is Nebraska the betting favorite for you tonight? Yeah, he's, he's coming to Nebraska, and he's been, he's been pretty much committed to Nebraska for a while. And he's going to be one of those rare in-state guys that commits to a coach maybe slightly ahead of a program because he's committing to Mickey Joseph. I mean, Mickey Joseph is the guy that has said, okay, all of the – all of the stuff we got to deal with with Malachi, I'm the guy that can get him there. Um, so he's going to commit to Nebraska tonight. And it's a, you know what? It's been a good year for Lincoln Products. And I hope he enjoys it. And I know it's going to be, you know, it's going to be, uh, you know, an event. But here's the thing with Malachi. And, and this, is, this is what Nebraska coaches Mickey and whoever else is here next year. Malachi could be one of those guys that, Monday through Friday is going to drive the Nebraska coaching staff nuts because there's going to be antics. There's maybe not going to be going 100% every day. Um, but he'll get to Saturday, and he'll make plays on Saturday, and you go, that's the guy we were recruiting. But can he do enough Monday through Friday to make sure that he plays on Saturday? Um, you know, I, I think Mickey, this is his project, and I think Mickey is pretty confident that he can take Malachi, who, you know, he – he has, he's had ridden the ups and downs of this season that Mickey can take Malachi and get him to be really good on Saturday. But wherever the challenge will be, and this will be on Malachi to take that next step in his football career, what's he like in a college football program Monday through Friday so that he can ensure that he's going to be on the field on Saturday. But, you know, it's been a great year for in-state products, and this is a good pickup for Nebraska. They just He's one that's also, when he gets on campus, they've got to get something out of him because – that wide receiver room is going to look a lot different next year without Trey Palmer and some young guys who are probably going to lead the program. Sharpie, Gretna, uh, impressive win last night over East. Flores was dynamite, saw different footage of, of uh, Zane on the move, making some great throws. Excited locally here for uh, Southwest. That's uh, Junior's school. And, and just what a – Millard North's really, really fun, man. They're, they're a really awesome program. They 
had a tough one last night, but man, they are just tough to tough to defend, tough to stop. A lot of points. I've seen them twice, and you know, Southwest and, and Millard West get to rematch after you know just two weeks ago that uh, that great comeback by Millard West. What's your take on on Millard West and just some of the some of the other Metro teams that that aren't Bell West or West Side or Gretna? I mean, those are your three big dogs. Who else is? I don't want to say dark horse, but going to be really entertaining this this postseason. Well, I, you know, Millard West quietly has won four in a row, and mm-hmm. they've they have a young quarterback that has started to spin it a little bit better. There, there's going to be some matchups like Millard South. I don't want to play Millard South. I don't want to play Creighton Prep when they're a double figure seed and they're coming on the road. Um, West Side and Gretna and Elkhorn South are the three best teams, and mm-hmm. West Side has a really favorable draw. Gretna and Elkhorn South could play in the semifinals. Schmidt and Eliza, you've seen Zane Flores in that group. They're really, really good. Uh, and it's not just Zane Flores. They're well coached. They've got a lot of depth. Um, but I had Elkhorn South last night. People kind of slept on Elkhorn South, and they just finished the year unbeaten because they didn't play a really, really difficult schedule. The closest game they played all year, they beat Millard South by three. But they have Cole Ballard who is a touchdown machine. They have Carson Rahner, who is a junior quarterback that is going to be on the rise. You watch all the attention that he'll get next offseason. And then they have you know, a very, very good line. It's not just Maverick Noonan, who was fantastic last night, and he has come on. He is a wrecking ball. I can't wait to see him at Nebraska when they put some more weight on him. Um, so watch out for Elkhorn South. Um, but outside of that, some other teams, I mean, you always have to be leery of Grand Island, Carney, and North Platte. And they all get the host in the first round. Um, so, you know, you could have a surprise team that makes a run. But I do know this. Whoever makes it to Lincoln on November 21st, they will have earned it in Class A. Because I think we'll see next Friday some upsets where they'll look like an upset because of a higher seed beating a lower seed. Um, but you'll go, nope, that's not really an upset. So I, I think clearly Westside, Gretna, and Elkhorn South are the top three teams, and you could have Gretna and Elkhorn South play in the semifinals, and that would be great. Is this as deep as it's been for, for you, uh, not only in Metro, but just in, in A? I mean, is, you've got your studs, but you've also got pretty good balance. It's a really good year for, for ball this season. Yeah, I would agree, and I, and, I, and I get to see a little bit of Class B, and Class B is the same way. You can make a case that, you know, there's Bennington Gross, and then there's probably three or four other teams that could make a run. I, I just think, you know what, high school football has been really good around the state of Nebraska this year. It's not just Lincoln and Omaha, uh, and it's been predominantly Omaha in, in, in Class A. But I think the, the high school football in this state, this class, the next class, and the following class, so we're talking 23, 24, 25, and then here in Omaha, the 26th class is going to be really, really good. High school football is in a good spot, and I can't wait for the class. It's going to be, it's going to be a, lot of, uh, a lot of fun, and there are prospects uh, all over the place. You know? And, I mean, when you have a, a player from Ainsworth that all of a sudden becomes a national recruit, you know that the state of Nebraska is doing something really good with their high school football. That is uh, absolutely correct. Gary Sharp, the iron horse with us. Sharpie will uh, gear up and get ready for the pig farmer next saturday and enjoy your weekend enjoy uh some sunshine and thanks for jumping on with us hey thanks guys appreciate you there he is gary sharp with us on hail varsity radio weekend edition and uh man we will be back and ready to go on uh, monday matt versal gonna be with us on uh, on monday get his thoughts on the o-line as nebraska tries to gear up forward of course verse uh High school coach himself up at Scott. So get his take 
We've got a great playoff schedule loaded up here locally at KFOR and ESPN Lincoln for next week. And uh, that's going to be uh, outstanding. A lot of baseball this weekend. And enjoy your your Big 12 extravaganza this weekend. Elijah, take care. Let me know how that – I need tweeted pictures of that brisket. Can do. Can do. All right. Take care. Thanks for listening to Hail Varsity. Back at you Monday. A Huda Media Production.